Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, time to start recording a new year of podcasts here in this studio. Oh, Zach, what are you doing up there? Up on the higher level on that ladder. What are you doing up there? Oh, hey, Sandra. Whoa, whoa, whoa look out! That just hit my head (coughs) Hey, hey, Sandro, are you okay? That really hurt, actually Yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine I'm just gonna have a Oh my god, sorry I dropped dropped this new device I'm working on on your head Let me pick this up What is this? It looks like a gadget out of Rick and Morty Yes, well, uh, sort of it, it, it would be similar because it's a, it's a time travel device, you see. A time travel device? Yes, it's to uh, send us both back in time so we can actually go and watch the movies when they came out. Oh, that's a really good idea because this whole time we've been struggling and buying like DVDs for movies yeah. that, aren't, that aren't available yet. If we go back to the time when the movies are actually showing, that's really smart. We'd be able yeah. to see them. Yeah. A lot cheaper as well. Oh, absolutely. The exchange rate would be fantastic. And this is definitely the best use I can think of for a time machine. Mm, what year should we start with then? Well, so my idea was, my idea was that we'd go from 1920 and then we just keep mm. doing years continuously till we get to some year. I don't know. I don't know what would be. What about year. 1969? <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. I like that. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. All right, yeah, now let's go. Oh. Boot it up, Doc. Let's head back to the past. Yeah, let's do that. All right, let me just do this. Oh, that's weird. Yep. That shouldn't be saying that reading. Hmm. I think it got a little bunged up when I dropped it on your head there or so. Oh, 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 Sandro. Oh, Sandro. Oh, 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 no. Oh, oh, no, I'm me. Disappeared. Back to the past without me. Oh, oh no. Oh, Imagine a year where there's wonders beyond your imagination, the most exciting of which is a sleepwalker. Oh my! Random orphan on the street, what year is that? Sir, it's 1920, isn't it? Welcome to Oldie But A Goodie. It's the first proper episode in our fifth season. Looking back at really old movies and why, look at this. I have actually travelled back to 1920. That's right, I've ditched Zach. It's just me now. I'm here on the streets in 1920. I'm going to talk to the people of the times. Hello, you. Who are you? What is, what's your name? What are you doing here? I look like a police officer. Oh, you're a police officer. Hello. Hi, then. What's going on here? Oh, I'm doing a podcast, but you don't know what that is. It's sort of like the radio, but without music. Oh, that sounds suspicious. I do like the radio, though. But I've got my own invention. I'm 
I'm taking it to get it patented right now. You've got an invention. Why? Do tell us what it is. <laughs> Why are you talking all weird like? It's very concerning. Oh, it's my presenter voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's real concerning anyway. Well, I'd, I'd, I've invented essentially the modern traffic light. You see, right now we only have a, uh, a red and green system. For our traffic lights, and that's causing a lot of accidents as people are not seeing the red light as it's coming in. So I've invented a yellow light that goes in the middle. Wait, you're a famous inventor, aren't you? Are you William Potts? Yes, I'm William Potts, inventor of the modern traffic light. I'm very happy with this invention because you see, now that I've invented the yellow light, not a single person ever in the future will run through a red light. Uh, oh. Or a yellow light, for that matter, because it's meant for you to slow down. So, uh, oh. if someone was to come from the future and tell me oh. that uh, people uh, were uh, going through red and yellow lights, that oh. would ruin my entire life. Oh, I would no. be devastated. Oh, no. I would be cra- oh, Do I tell him? Do I tell him? Oh, my God, he's changing. What is this? Sancho! Sancho, it's me! What? It's me! Zack! Uh, why are you in the body of this Detroit police officer inventor man? Well, I, I'm, I'm actually Zack, the ghost of future past. What? And I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you how to get back to the future. This is very convoluted. What do you mean get back to the future? I'm here on research in 1920. Yeah, but haven't you realised you can't get back? I can't get back. No, you can't get back. No! What am I going to do? Well, you can't get back. Oh, how do I get back? All you have to do is do each year as you teleport to them. And do the podcast. Oh, I've just got to keep doing the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you just got to keep doing the podcast. And eventually, once you get to the end of the years that we're going to do, you'll be... You'll be teleported back to the future. Oh, okay. So I've just got to review a movie from the year 1920 and then one from the year yes. after that. And okay, yeah, no, yeah, I see yeah, what the yeah. gimmick it'll, is. It'll teleport you afterwards. I see what the Oh my God, it's a British orphan. Hello, governor. <laughs> got any dimes? Uh, you remind me of a person we met in the future. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm starving. Give me some bread with porridge in it. Now, Orphan, answer me this question. Have you watched the movie The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't have any money for bread, let alone the cinematographic arts. Hey, Zach, do you have, like, some sort of uh, special power that might be able to put the spirit of one of our regular guests into the body of that young, poor, orphan boy over there so we can do a podcast? Uh, no, no, I don't have that exact thing. Uh. Oh, wait, actually. Oh, you do? Wonderful. <laughs> wait a minute, I forgot. I have this device. Kapow! <laughs> Whoa. What, what's that? What, what, what is it? What, what, where am I? Who, who are I? Sandro and Zach? Hey. From hey. the podcast Oldie But A Goodie? Yep. Uh, hang on, but I don't like that name. Why am I here? Well, we're back in 1920, Ben. You've finally gotten what you hoped for. We're reviewing a film from 1920 because I need to get back to the future and the only way to do it is to review movies from the year 1920. Oh my god, finally an oldie! <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Uh, hang on, have you... So you've addressed the oldie bit, but have you... Have you addressed the fact that you're still peddling a false dichotomy? No, we're getting to that. <laughs> That'll be next year. <laughs> hey Ben, uh, did you want to review the movie The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari with us? Oh yeah, sure, I love that film. Um, sounds great. 
what's uh where are we gonna do it just out in the street there's gonna be a lot of um ambient noise well what about in that alleyway over there oh yeah sounds great nothing bad has ever happened in an alleyway in a dark alleyway in the 1920s no never (laughs) nothing or ever ever yeah Oh my goodness, we're here in the alleyway. That edit was so quick. Wow. Wow. The cabinet of Dr. Caligari is what we're reviewing today on Oldie But A Goodie. Took us a while to get there, but here we are. (laughs) We're going to be doing movies from 1920 to 1969 over the course of the next year. Uh, And because we are doing older movies, uh, historically noteworthy movies perhaps, we are going to be switching up the format just a touch uh, and starting off with a lot of uh, non-spoiler opinions, maybe for like half an hour, 40 minutes, uh, before then getting into the spoiler stuff. So if you haven't seen it, don't worry, no spoilers for the first bit of this review. Uh, Speaking of, let's get into that non-spoiler part of the episode. Zach, had you heard of this movie before you chose it? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. What, 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 yeah, I've heard it before, but um, I didn't really know anything about it. So I was just like, "Oh, that's 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 a famous movie that I haven't seen. Let's watch that." And now you have. You've. Uh, I feel like this is a movie that a lot of people have on their to watch list, but just have never gotten around to. Yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't have seen it if it weren't for the podcast. There's there's too many other things to watch, but I'm like, hey, 1920s. Let's let's do this one. I I don't think I've ever watched a film with no audio quotation marks. Really? You've never seen a silent film, Zach? Unless we did one for the podcast. I don't think so. You haven't seen any like Charlie Chaplin or anything? Nope. Well, okay. Well, hopefully this has opened a new door for you, Zach. One through which you can step comfortably and with pride. I won't, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, that sounds great. Okay. Well, you will for the next probably seven episodes. Ah, oh, yeah. damn it. Yeah, you're right. Damn it. There won't be sound for a while. <laughs> I won't be proud, though, but I'll do it. Uh, the hero we truly deserve. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't seen this movie before either, so it was great to be able to watch it for the first time. But Ben, you have seen this before. Yeah, I've seen it maybe like 14, 15 years ago, something like that. Um, You know, one of the first films that I think you watch when you're sort of starting to get into film. You know, that's what I think anyway. Uh, (laughs) I don't know about you two. But uh, yeah, I think I may have even seen it in like an intro to cinema studies class. Yeah. um, Or at least, you know, adjacent to it. I, I, I I think delving into film history is the only way to really learn about cinema. Um, so if you're interested in it for either to make it or because you love it, um, I think you, 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 you got it. So, and this, you know, this is one of the, one of the classics from that period of, of filmmaking. So I think, I think everyone needs to see it. So I'm glad you two have, uh, have seen it. Yeah. Finally, finally checked yeah. it out. Now this is considered by many to be the first ever horror film. Mm. If you if you look at what horror films are today, I think it's it's definitely that the first one to have sort of really aligned itself with that form. Um, there's there's been like other films that have sort of referenced horror elements, I suppose. So you know, even from the same even from the same year, we had like a Harold Lloyd short, which was people pretending that their house was haunted. But I I think 
you know, definitely like films had been made before, you know, that that was sort of horror in uh, maybe topic, but maybe not in form. Mm. Uh, perhaps that's it because it, it it hits a lot of beats of horror movies you can you can see the sort of like the start where it's the slow build-up of like what's going on what is this thing mm. and what's happening and then suddenly there's like oh there's murders here it's like oh crap things are going wrong like yeah and um things of of like atmosphere creation and i i, I don't know i mean it all sort of like all of these elements, I think existed earlier, but there's there's certainly an argument to be made that this was one of the first. I I I I, I don't know that it's it's uh, worth saying the first, but it's certainly one of the <laughs> first mm, to mm. sort of crystallize a lot of these yeah uh, elements together. Yeah, definitely one of the first. Yeah, that's probably a better way to put it than the first of all time, which yeah is probably. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Not entirely true at all. But there are a few, like, um, the use of a frame story is quite noticeable. I think it's uh, definitely mm. one of the first big movies to ever have a frame story. Yeah. Zach, as a first-time watcher of a silent movie, how did you find that experience then? Because, yeah, it's all silent. There's a score, and that's it. I don't, I don't know if this is a controversial opinion, but it was different. <laughs> um, I'm really stepping boundaries now, I know. I can't believe you said it. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think you're, you're going too far on this one. I'm going to have to leave again. <laughs> okay, oh, no, no, no. First off, you can't till I zap you back to the future. Oh, yeah, shit. Uh, second, okay. yeah, yeah, good luck with that yeah. one. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked that it was, it was kind of more of like a stage play. Mm-hmm sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, because obviously that's what the actors were more used to. They did the stage plays and other things, so they had very exaggerated movements, very wide expressions. Yeah, right up until the 50s, all the acting is going to be very stage play <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, even, even today, I think there's a lot of it. I think it's just that the theatricality has changed. You know, obviously it, back, back then we're not that far from, you know, the birth of, of cinema as a as an art form or a medium. And so, and so, yes, you know, the, the sort of two closest things to it were theater and, and photography. And, and so obviously a lot of theatricality is going to bleed over into it, including, mm. including the set design and everything. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Which we'll get to. But I think, I think, uh, I, I think acting has never really swayed that far from, from theatricality. I think it's just the theatricality and what constitutes a theatrical acting style has changed. I, I also think that they should bring it back. I think people should act with their faces more. Yeah, well, that's a thing nowadays that they say is is to act less with the face because yeah. people yeah. can apply their own emotions on a on a less expressionless face. Which I think is bullshit. I think people yeah. need to open their <laughs> eyes a bit more. <laughs> Yeah. Both from an audience point of view and from an acting point of view. I think I think I think we need to bring back this this uh, heightened form. Yeah. I mean some people are still doing it like the cage obviously. Mm. Uh, <laughs> a bunch of others. But Zach, with it being a silent film, one thing that people, well, that some people say lesser individuals is, oh, Whoa. they're so slow. The pacing of these silent movies is so slow it stops for a minute so you can read stuff. Did you find that at all, or were you pretty engaged all throughout? It was interesting, because you see the characters talking, and you have no idea what they're saying, and then it pops up with, obviously, the text of what they've just said. 
So it was, I, I was kind of sitting there watching them, sort of excitedly. I don't know if excited's the, like, with anticipation as to what they were about to say. <laughs> yeah, okay. I was curious. Each, each time they started talking on screen, I was like, ooh. What are they going to say? Yeah. What, what, what's the next plot development? I don't know. So I was I was actually kind of engaged because I was curious as to actually what they were going to say. Mm. And then of course it, it popped on screen and and uh, you can you can read it. But it was a bit jarring from the normal like hearing audio and just just going on with it. Uh, but because of my curiosity, it 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 did uh, sort of carry me through those moments. I. I'd, it's it's not slow. It's like stop starty. Yeah, because of that, I feel. Yeah, but it wasn't that bad. I I I, I was intrigued. I was intrigued for most of the film, and my my curiosity certainly carried me through. Although sometimes I think they talked and then they didn't have a pop up. Yeah, for the audio, like what they said. That happened but, a few yeah. times. And that annoyed me because I wanted to know what they said, but <laughs> I sort of got it from context clues yeah. as to what they were talking about. Exactly, and I think I think as a as a purely visual medium in that regard, all of the communication has to be done through the image, mm. and so mm. everything everything is is either contextually there, like you know things like you don't have to know that the what what the what the like person says to call someone else over, you know that that's what they're doing, yeah. right? It, yeah. It's it's sort of you know in that regard, it's more action based rather than text-based and the text that yeah. comes in is actions or it's emotions and it's and you know that that what that is what it is because everything is there like they have they have no no other choice but to tell you through the image uh of, of what it is so i'm i'm glad that you sort of got that because it's um it can be you know a bit uh confronting if um if you don't know that that's what's coming yeah i I was in two minds one on one hand i wanted to know what they said and i was annoyed that they didn't pop up (laughs) on the other mind i I appreciated that for minor actions like calling someone over they could just have a hand gesture or whatever and they don't need to put that on because that would have made it more jarring Every single word had to have its own pop-up on the screen. No, obviously <laughs> yeah, you're going to cut out some things and just keep going on with the film. So I appreciated that. But at the same time, what did they say? I don't know. Ah. Hmm. Yeah, well, You don't need to, I guess, is the thing. No, you don't need to. You don't need to. But I'm, I'm a curious boy. I want to know. Yeah, it's a relatively simple story that you're not missing a whole lot of plot details. But yep. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> there's, like, for a very long time, I had no idea what, like, one character was called because no pop-up would ever show up when they were talking to her. I was like, what's her name? <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, that, that, that it's only the stuff that you need to know which is told to you, like, or which is shown to you in, in text. So in that in that regard, I think it's, you know... I I feel like even you know modern modern films have a lot to learn. Like if you imagine a, a sort of modern contem- contemporary film, sound film that that followed the kind of intertidal structure of a silent film, I feel like you'd get quite a lot more uh, powerful imagery because you would be forced to condense everything that you need to say into an image rather than into people talking back and forth. No, I like it when movies talk down to me every three seconds. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I want. I love American cinema. I mean, what? I mean, yeah, look, to be fair, this this film also had like quite a lot of sort of, you know, revelations that were then explaining the plot. But 
the way that it conveyed it, like even if it was obvious, it was still it was still done through imagery. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, no, it's really interesting seeing what your thoughts are, Zach. Because I've been watching. I, I think maybe even the first time I ever went to a cinema was with the parents. We went and saw like a whole bunch of like silent slapstick movies with like some guy yeah. on the piano playing along, and that was great. So I've been yeah, like I've always kind of had these sort of films. I must have seen some sort of thing back in my childhood. I probably saw some Charlie Chaplin or some sort of slapstick comedy thing but other than that like in living memory i i can't remember seeing one so i've seen a lot of mr bean does that count kind of <laughs> sort of i mean i'd say it's kind of silent ish yeah 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 uh you briefly mentioned and we will get into some spoilers a bit later on but you briefly mentioned ben the um the visuals of this movie uh, a lot of people in the letterbox reviews i was briefly skimming through them mm. as i usually do and everyone was like tim burton this whole career is based off this movie and yeah it is very like weird angle he did see this film and make it his entire personality didn't he <laughs> so many like weird angles and shapes and like dark eye shadow and all that sort of stuff it looks amazing and also the quality of the copy that i watched was was incredible as well it looked uh, mm. fantastic barely any grain to be seen yeah it was a good it was it was a good restoration um i think in the um in the version I watched, there was there were, uh, there were some details about the restoration, which in- included the fact that they essentially cobbled this film together from several different sources. Yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think they did a they did a great job. Yeah, no, I I certainly that was one of the other things I enjoyed about this movie was the theatrical sets, these mm. uh, large sort of painted, very very in some places ominous yeah yeah uh and and spooky atmospheric sets they were very cool i was like oh this is this is pretty neat i like it along with the like theatrical stage acting it was like i was mm. almost in a theatrical piece and it was pretty good i i i liked it a lot all the sets are just beautiful to look at i love whenever we in the streets all the buildings are all like weird angles and the windows are all like mm. stilted and i'm like how does anyone live in there i don't understand but also <laughs> it's great to look at um oh and there's one scene as well where it's like a garden sequence and uh, we see all these like weird plants they're all twisted and and in odd shapes and then someone like walks past and like brushes it and it moves like a normal plant it's just a small detail that i picked up on and i was like that's that's amazing mm. um how'd they get that to to work like that uh, yeah it's it's so good to look at yeah absolutely it's um you know the height of german expressionism in that period and and sort of you can see why it's a sort of precursor to dadaism and surrealism and and things like that where it's it, it or maybe not a precursor it sort of was developing around about the same time but it it was a huge influence visually and it it does serve to create an incredibly intriguing and unsettling atmosphere i think right from the very beginning um i would argue right from the very title screens which are sort of similarly angular and 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 off kilter it makes up for a lot of if if later on you're like oh I, i don't know what's going on or or sort of not following it or, or potentially you, you need a little bit more of a kick to, to suspend your disbelief for certain things. I think the fact that you've had all of this magnificent visual setup in the beginning to create this atmosphere, I think that kind of provides that kick mm-hmm. potentially. 
I know that's what I felt. I thought it needed more CGI. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Just put shiny giant monsters in there to battle each other. Yeah, now it's all sure. But who was the real hero of this movie? Yeah, I think I think I think my friend Matt Painting might have a little <laughs> oh bit word god. or two to to, <laughs> oh to say. Oh, great. Yeah, no, it's really good. It's really good. And we are big font boys, Zach. And the font of this was, was marvellous, wasn't it? We're font boys. Font, you're font, font boys. But yeah, no, the font was fun because it was all like hand painted, I guess. Hand drawn, hand handwritten. Yeah, yeah, probably. In this uh, sort of uh, wacky, slanted font sort of thing, much like it matches the sort of motif of the rest of the movie. Exactly. But it's just a bit... Just a bit off, just a bit, just a bit weird. Something's going wrong. What is happening here? It's important to have that in a film where if characters talk, you need to have that on screen. So it needs to have that sort of atmosphere as well. So it wasn't just like, you know, wooden text on the screen. It, it had its own little feel to it. I appreciated it. Yeah. No, I think it looked really, really cool. Um, We haven't really talked too much about the plot. We'll get into plot details later on but uh there is a lot of plot here <laughs> for a film that's like an hour and 10 minutes there's quite a bit here to 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 talk about uh it's a good plot i like it there's many different aspects very kind of psychological thrillery which i think is really cool to see a lot of uh pieces being set for future movies a lot of people comparing this to shutter island on letterboxd which i mean sure i guess mm. Mm. no spoilers i haven't seen it He's waiting for it to come out on Blu-ray. No, I'm, I'm, I'm so- <laughs> just, just, there's a lot of stuff to watch. I, I just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, no, I, I liked the plot. I think there's, there's one bit that, uh, like, it's an old film. So in, in that sense, I don't, I wouldn't say aged poorly. It's just, it's aged compared to a lot of other films. Yeah, mm, uh, that's a fair, that's a fair point. But that, that's just because of, you know, how how old it is at this point. At the time of release, it probably would have been uh, certainly more impactful. Yeah, well, that's the way that stories are. They grow and grow and grow over time. So, yes. hey, it's the first one. Like, it's going to be a little bit light compared to what you're used to now. Yeah, yeah, but it was, it was, it was still fun. And I think there was a lot of, a lot of um, narrative to it. Mm. Where there's like a lot of, it's not, it's like there's a lot of plot points, a lot of different things happen. There's a lot of mystery. Yeah, which I think, which I think tied into a lot of the sort of pop- popular gothic and mystery stories of the day. Because mm. um, that was, that was how they moved. It was like, bam, 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 this happens, this happens, this happens. You know, I, I think plot heavy films were pretty normal back then. That's certainly what carried me through the film was the mystery of everything. There was a lot of different things where i was like what is this what is happening yeah. here what's going on i don't know what this character's about you know and then and then it all ties together at the end yeah that's it yeah it's really uh it's really well done it definitely helps carry you through and yeah like it keeps you a lot more engaged than i think some plot heavy movies from around this period are uh, content to do as well yeah i mean it can it can potentially get overwhelming because you're like all right now what but I think I think this film balances it quite well. Again, particularly with the visuals. Yeah, you're like everything is everything is so out of place, um, or it makes you feel kind of out of place that you sort of need to keep up. 
do we rate it? I guess we rate it halfway through. If our new format is, hey, these movies that we're doing are pretty good, so you should probably watch them, so we'll do spoiler-free reviews and spoiler-heavy yep. reviews, I guess that means we've got to rate it halfway through the episode, so that's fun. Uh, Zach, is this an oldie or a goodie, or is it something better, or is it something worse? Uh, it's pretty boring, pretty trash. Oh, no! Uh, never watch it. <laughs> wow, that sure sounds different to what you have just been saying. Ah, but you see, Ben, it was for comedic effect. Oh my god. Ah, oh, god damn it, I famously don't understand that. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I enjoyed it. I had fun. I like stage plays, so this was, this, this is very... I, I felt that stage play energy, you know? Oh, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm on board with this. I'll, I'll give it a goodie. Oh, well, why not? <laughs> a goodie from Zach. There we go. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to give this a solid goodie, too. I think, yeah, it's, it's really, really solid. Uh, as Ben said, if you are a fan of film, if you're a film bro like the three of us, <laughs> Jeez, no, I refuse, I refuse to be, <laughs> even for comedic effect, I refuse to be branded such. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. I hate that this year is going to make us, uh, make people think that we're film bros. Mm. What'd you think of the movie, bruh? Oh, bro, it was totally, like, slow and boring. No, I, can't, I can't do it. Hey, I yeah. gotta go suddenly. <laughs> oh, no, Ben, what are you gonna rate it? <laughs> um, I'm rating it an oldie and a goodie. Oh, my Whoa! God. I knew he was gonna do it. I knew it. That's fine. I'm I'm happy to be predictable in the moments where I'm right. <laughs> What a mad lad. I mean, he's right. It's it's, it's uh, 100 and, 103 years old, or at least it will turn 103 later in the year. I, I, I think that's definitely... Look, I, I still don't know exactly where the threshold for oldie and not oldie is, but this is this is firmly in the oldie mm, section. Very I good, think. very good. So I think it's an oldie and a goodie. In fact, all of the films, maybe not the ones towards the end, but all of the films... That you're talking about in in this year's podcast are going to be oldies automatically. So Whoa. so you need to you need to find a secondary rating system, my friends. I disagree. You need to call them goodies or not goodies. We need to fix our garbage rating system. I refuse. You need to fix your podcast. <laughs> You need to fix your lives, boys! Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Anyway, this is, you know, it's a hallmark of silent cinema. It's a hallmark of cinema in general. It's hugely influential. It's uh, very entertaining, expressive, and uh, impressive. So, yeah. I, I, yeah, it's an oldie and a goodie. Yes, my recommendations are, if you're a fan of Tim Burton but want something that's actually art, check this out. Um, Oi! If you're- <laughs> hey, hey, that's that's me. He's got some really good stuff. That's I, me. I, I admit to the time wrong. Um, if you're a fan of David Lynch but want a plot that you can follow, uh, <laughs> check this out. Then what is wrong with you? Why, why would you watch- Yeah, yeah, what's the- <laughs> If you're a fan of M. Night Shyamalan- <laughs> Oh god, I mean, true. Um, um, if you're a fan of Gamel del Toro, but want- If you're a fan of movies, watch this movie. Good lord. All right. Pretty much. On. There we go. Zach has, Zach has nailed it. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tim Burton. I didn't mean to be so mean. <laughs> Wait, so you like concerts, podcasts- and music and you don't listen to concerts that made us podcast oh man you're missing out you've got to head over there straight away they have interviews with the best up-and-coming bands as well as some famous ones thrown in the mix too and don't even get me started on the concert stories 
Oh man, are they wild. That's Concerts That Made Us podcast. New episodes every Thursday on all podcast players. Howdy, it's me, Selly McSeller. Do you like the podcast you're listening to right now? Do you want to find a way to support the hosts? Well, you can. Go to patreon.com forward slash oldiebuddygoodypod and chuck in some money. You can get rewards like ad-free and early episodes for $1 a month. And for $5 a month, you get access to all of the bonus stuff. There's bonus episodes at the Wazoo. We got an ongoing series about Friday the 13th. We've got series on Nicolas Cage and Police Academy. We've got alternate options that didn't make it into the show. And we've got stuff voted on by you listeners. Sandra and Zach have hired me to do this ad read every single week because they can't be bothered plugging the Patreon themselves. So I'm going to do it. I'm Seller McSeller. Patreon.com forward slash oldie buddy goodie pod. That's where you go. I'm an I'm an American. Yeehaw. Woo. Let's talk about some details of the movie, starting with the director, Robert Wiener. Spoilers. He's done a bunch of films. He did another film in 1920 uh, called Genuine, which um, has the same sets, I think. Story of the story of a pony. Wait, no, it's not. Haha, <laughs> it's the story of a vampire. <laughs> it's a succubus. Um, <laughs> it's not as good. It's still good, and it's quite visually striking. Um, but it's, I think, not as good. It's also hard to say because it's... Mm. Um, sort of existed in in different versions that that i don't know it's hard to find the the genuine version um (laughs) but uh it's still it's still it's still quite quite good yeah when you look up german expressionism it's dr caligari that nosferatu are all kind of on the same level according to a lot of the lists Mm. uh so yeah it could be worth checking out if you're a fan of this and apparently as well i read somewhere uh it might have been an interview that he did um that the twist uh, at the end was not originally a part of the writer's visions those writers being carl mayer and hans janowitz which I think is really interesting. I think it's interesting that 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 they added a twist in after the story was written. I'm not sure. Like, what's uh, is this? Is this Marvel? <laughs> I don't know. I li- I liked the 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 twist. I wasn't expecting it. Mm. So I I thought it was interesting. But yes, I'm a little conflicted. You know, if it's not the original writer's intention. Yeah, but that's what directors. That's what happens in filmmaking. You know, a script is a blueprint. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So the director, Robert Wiener, he directed quite a number of films, but a lot of them were lost, um, which is sadly the case for a lot of mm. um, films of that era. Mm. I think apart from uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, um, he did a film called The Hands of Orlac, which is probably his next fam- next most famous film, also starring Conrad Veidt, one of the writers, Carl Mayer, who yeah co-wrote, co-wrote this film, um, also was a co-writer on several other quite uh, influential and, and notable German films uh, like Sunrise by F.W. Murnau. Murnau, obviously, um, being the director of uh, Nosferatu, yes. which came two years after this film. So this this film is, you know, potentially Nosferatu is uh, more, no- more known. But yeah, this film came two years earlier. Well... Jumping into the the plot real quick, uh, speedrun, uh, this is Dr. Calgari. He's at a circus. Caligari. Caligari. 
That's Italian. This is German. <laughs> well, he's. It's revealed that he's. He is. It is revealed that he's an Italian. That's true. So that's how he would have said it. No, this was silent. He wouldn't have said anything. Oi, oi, oi. Oh, right. Damn it. <laughs> um. <laughs> that's not the start of the. That's not the start of the film at all. The start of the film is two people sitting I'm upon speed a speed running. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm speed running. There's a circus. There's a sleepwalking man. Uh, there's some murders. You were crazy the whole time. The end. I need more details than that. <laughs> did you? Did you, did someone say details? I love details. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a frame story, which is uh, one of the main characters, Francis, telling this guy who has apparently seen spirits, but we never get any information on that. He's telling that guy the story that we're learning about. It's the entire Caligari story. And we suddenly see uh, uh, what appears to be a, a possessed woman walking in into the frame immediately we're like what what what, what is this who is this What's up with her and apparently it's his fiance and they're sitting on a park bench and and suddenly the film turns into forest gump <laughs> my mama always told me <laughs> life was like a box of sleepwalker whoa my mama always told me life was like a cabinet of dr caligar <laughs> You never know what you're gonna get. And then the person's like, "What do you mean a cabinet of Dr. Caligari?" And then like, "Well, well, let, let me tell you uh, the story." <laughs> yep. Francis is played by Frederick Feher. Uh, he's really good. He's in a bunch of things, heaps and heaps of uh, of German movies from the 1910s to like 1940s. Uh, I think he's really good in this. And Jane, who is his uh, fiance, is. Lil Dagover. It's time to play a game. Did they meet Hitler? She did. She met Hitler. Oh. That's a fun fact. Yikes. Um, Yeah. We're going to be playing that game a lot this year. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Great. She was one of Hitler's favorite actresses, apparently. Oh. But to make up for it, after, after, you know, Nazi Germany fell down, she appeared in an anti-Nazi film. Aha. So, who knows? Uh, who knows what, where she really lied. Well, there we go. That's good. Yeah. Anyway, she was, she was a huge film star back in the day. Which is interesting because she's barely in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, may, I don't know if it was like a name thing or, or whether it was, they had to have some, this character. So they may as well have, you know, one of the biggest film stars of of the time in it. I mean, she, she was like probably like def- in the in the start of her film career but you know she'd been she'd been working for five five or so years she she is quite an important character in the story oh so. yeah, yeah, yeah we just don't see her very often yeah yeah uh so yeah then we flash back a little bit mm. into the town and yeah you're right zach there's a carnival whoa carnival and you know it's a carnival because there's a monkey and one of those guys that plays music with it. An organ grinder. Yes, that's the one. Oh, I think you'll find there's a different sort of organ grinder later in the movie, too. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> murders. Oh, murders, right. Yeah, I was thinking of something different. Uh-huh. I was like, when was that in the film? 
Francis and Alan are like, we're going to go to the carnival and see stuff. Uh, mm. Yeah, just two pals hanging out at the carnival. Oh, yeah, the boys. Two best friends hanging out in the carnival. Mm. Asking about when they'll die. Six feet apart because they're not gay. Yeah. Is a reference to a vine. Yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> Oh, well, the actor who plays Alan is, that's Hans yes. V. Hans Heinz V. Tvard, von, it's von Twardowski. Whoa. Yeah, he he did escape Nazi Germany, or, well, before, when he realized that Germany was about to become Nazi Germany. Yeah. He did, uh, he did escape because he was gay. Ah. So, there you go. Yeah, uh, he is barely in the movie as well, because spoilers, he gets killed off what? very quickly. But uh, he is also excellent. Yeah. He is he's great. Yeah. He's also in Fritz Lang's Spies, mm. um, which is a great thriller. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a perfect character to die early on, because he's like the best friend. He's a big smiley guy. He's like, oh, yeah, let's go to the carnival. Woo. Nothing bad could possibly happen if I ask this weird, somber individual how long I have to live. Yeah, so there's a character, yeah, so Dr. Caligari, he's like, I have a tent, enter my tent. By the way, Dr. Caligari is played by Werner Krauss, who Mm. is a Nazi. (laughs) Cancelled! Whoa! (laughs) Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was hugely anti-Semitic and... Which... You know, I don't know how he worked on this film because the director was Jewish, but, yeah, you know, uh, yeah, hugely anti-Semitic and very much supported the Nazis. So, wow. There's been a, quite a lot of readings of this film as sort of a, you know, a, a deconstruction of, of fascist ideology. Which yeah, I read that. I think I think was probably, you know, not in the director's minds when they were making this. It was no just generally they were telling a story but it, it it's it if you read it that way it still works uh but they go to his attraction and he's got kazare who is a somnambulist somnambulist a sleepwalker sleepwalk guy he sleeps on a coffin like a vampire yes it, that is the cabinet <laughs> yeah there he, he actually it's the cabinet Wait, it's the cabinet the cabinet it's the cabinet you know the one the one where where it's like we're watching a film called the cabinet of dr caligari and then I remember like, i did that you know 10 10 10 or so minutes into the film uh, we see a, another title pop up that says the cabinet of dr caligari well that's the cabinet of dr caligari he sleeps in the cabinet of dr caligari i thought the cabinet was meant to be an allegory though no it's a caligari not an allegory it's caligari Caligari. (laughs) zach if you saw a sleepwalker in a coffin wake up what would you ask him uh, I would ask him, man, how long do I have to live? Whoa, why would you ask him that? <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a dumb question because I don't want to know when I'll die because that seems like if I know when I'm going to die, do I take steps to prevent it? And then will that cause myself to die because I've taken steps to prevent it's it? It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's a self-fulfilling, self-fulfilling prophecy, prophecy. So I don't want to cause my own death. But Alan's like, how long do I have left to live? And the guy's like, you're going to die at dawn. I mean, let's let's be honest. This, this guy was always like a like he was quite a dramatic mm. man. Yeah. E- mm. You know, even before he asked this question, you could tell this this is this is a this is a dramatic. This is a drama magnet. What a drama queen. 
always asking about his death. You know, you just you go to a party, you have a few drinks, and it's like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, I wonder how long I have. When to will live. I die? <laughs> when will I die? <laughs> Then he gets murdered. He gets murdered in a scene that's quite striking because uh, it's all done through shadows. And also, yeah, he's striking him with the with the knife. Yeah, strikes him. There's a, there's a pun there. Yeah, it was shadowy and, you know. And it leaves the mystery of who did it. Also, can we, can, can we just go back to the, the reveal of the somnambulist from behind the cabinet because his like his face was incredible the makeup on that face and his expression conrad veet is i don't know he's one of the greatest oh he is i mean like casablanca is like he's great in that oh yeah the man who laughs so many good things yeah he's he's a huge star very great actor um yeah he's tremendous and and he definitely he proves his his proves his worth in this you know, completely silent, wide-eyed role. Um, mm. I think. I think it's. You know, he's he's fantastic. I was definitely bemused at first when they said, "Oh, it's a sleepwalker," as like a horrifying thing. <laughs> but the sleepwalker can see the future, and is also kind of like a crazy murderer. So there is a bit more, you know, yeah. spookiness to this. It's more than. It's like, more than just a. It's more than just a sleepwalker, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But I was bemused. I'm like, hmm, yes, very spooky. A sleepwalker. Oh, <laughs> so he sleeps in that coffin, not coffin, in the cabinet of Dr. Caligari all day, mm. roams at night and murders. Yeah, I, I, I was confused if he was like, you know, was he, was he technically like all, had he been asleep always? Like, mm. Because later on, when they bring him to the... Uh, uh, spoiler. Anyway. Or, or are we in spoiler territory? We're in spoiler. We are in spoiler. Go, 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 go. Okay, well, so, so okay, so later on, when they bring him to the asylum, he's already asleep. So yeah. it makes me wonder whether he w- has ever been awake. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I think the idea is he he never really wakes up. He's just, he's just sleepwalking and sleep-talking. Sleepwalking and talking, yeah. <laughs> sleepwalking and talking, my boy. That's it. Yeah, no, I think the idea is he's he's never, ever been awake, which is, is what's so strange. They're looking into Alan's death. It's quite a lengthy sequence of uh, of investigations. They arrest one guy who runs into some lady's house with a knife. <laughs> it's a red herring. Yeah, yeah, I like the sort of red herring. Copycat murder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it makes sense. If you want to murder something and there's a murderer going around, it's the best time because... you. You know, you could just frame it as one of their murders. Mm. That's right. Yeah. They get arrested because they're doing a lot more murders, so they have a higher chance of getting arrested. And they go, oh, it was this murder over here as well. That's one of his. And uh, then you go, you go scot-free. It's a foolproof plan. Nothing could go wrong unless you get caught in the middle of trying to stab someone. Unless you get caught immediately after. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would be bad. But yeah, this was one of the moments where they had a lot of uh, uh, talking, but no actual text that's yeah. on the screen yeah. but it's quite obvious what they're saying because there's like a whole bunch of like policemen wagging their finger yeah. at this <laughs> disheveled man and then the policeman takes the knife and says ah yes this is a knife <laughs> ah yes you did the stabbings yes I see and he shakes it's like stabbing ah yeah 
And I'm like, ah, I think they're accusing this guy of murder. <laughs> yeah. I love Silent the movie acting like that. It's great fun. Yeah. You know exactly what's going on. But when you actually think about how they acted that out, you're like, that must have felt silly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, but that night, that night Francis is like, I'm going to go sneak on Caligari. Mm, and he sees yeah, yeah. Uh, Caligari and, and the cabinet and inside the cabinet, the guy is sleeping. And he's like, hmm, the guy is sleeping. But we see that the guy is not sleeping because he, he goes into Jane's house and he takes her away to the rooftops and runs around. Wait, hang on, hang on. Oh, wow, that was already so quick. Okay. We've gone through the whole film. There's not much that happens between. That's true. There's not a whole lot that happens. That's true. I just, I, I, I just thought that like it really is that that every aspect of it is so striking that like when you start actually just talking about what happens, there's a lot less to talk about. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm looking, I'm reading through my notes here. I'm like, look at his little tiny house that he lives in. Oh yeah, Caligari lives in like a doghouse. <laughs> he lives in this like caravan kind of. One one room, like, studio caravan. Yeah. Uh, with his little tiny house with the cabinet inside, which 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 is coffin-like. And then, you know, everything happens so quickly, and, and the, they're like, oh, I, I'm going to yeah, inspect this person immediately after the murders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, like, I was starting to think this Dr. Caligari guy, not really that nice of a guy. Could be kind of a bad guy in this scenario. You know? And then and then they get a thing saying, Oh, the murderer has been arrested, and they leave, and he's like, Ah, excellent. excellent. Yeah, he's yes. like, Wonderful. <laughs> All of these facial expressions and, and stuff, it's it's uh Yeah. Really adds to this to the experience so much so that yeah, as soon as as soon as you start trying to just go beat by beat to the plot, I think you lose a lot. It's interesting here when uh, the uh, somnambulist approaches the girl and goes to stab her. He, like, decides not to and then kidnaps her. That's displayed quite well in the the sort of actions. Yeah, we never know why he does that. He Why? Because he falls in love. Yeah! Because he's been tasked with killing this woman. And then instead of killing her, he's like, oh my god, look how pretty she is. I am now sleepwalking i'm now sleep loving and <laughs> me and too man. it's like i must carry her away and takes her away through the streets this scene is just great as they're running around and people are chasing them it looks very nice this film is so like focused on these individuals and these big mm. sets and stuff that i think it, it sometimes gets overlooked that the crowd scenes are really well shot as well yeah oh definitely um there's a great shot where they're on the bridge and he's just dropped her and he runs away, and then the crowd catches up, and there's just this like narrow bridge, and this crowd like filing through it, and they leave, and then and then they carry her body away, and it's just like that was really well blocked. Yeah, I liked uh, them looking off into the distance when when he's like car- first carrying her away, and they're like looking off into the distance, and they can see him running away on the stage set where he's sort of climbing up this thing mm. yeah that's that's one of the iconic images of this film i think those you know angular chimneys and the the jagged you know paths and everything it's it's a it's pretty good there's a lot of depth too like he gets all the way back there as well yeah <laughs> the depth is really good this was shot entirely in studio mm. so i think the fact that they like everything's artificial everything's constructed wait this didn't really happen <laughs> no they, <laughs> what? they they yeah 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 they they actually built this entire 
film and then it's actually um not a documentary zach oh oh my god i thought it was oh that's a big relief yeah 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 zach if this was a documentary they'd be talking oh that's true so that's how you can tell (laughs) yeah yeah that's the one thing that's happened in documentaries is people talk all film documentaries have talking in them. Yep. And the ones that don't have talking in them are fake. Mm, that's true. So then the sleepwalker dies. He just collapses and dies. Collapses in, in this like mm. incredible glade of trees. I love those trees. I think they're fantastic. And uh, Francis is like, what do you mean he took Jane and was running through the street? That doesn't make any sense because I was watching him sleep. Yeah. I was watching him sleep the entire time and then they go into Dr. Caligari's house or the police and I'm like, what's going on in here? Oh my goodness, it was a dummy that was sleeping. Yeah. That must have been a very realistic. <laughs> ah, I lo- Yeah, I loved it. I was like, ah, what a twist. <laughs> it's fantastic. And then he runs away to the lunatic asylum. Oh, shit. Yeah, Francis is, like, really closely following Caligari, too. Like, as they're running towards the lunatic asylum, he's being followed quite closely. But, you know, for the sake of the movie, I think it's fine. It's just quite funny, picturing two men. Like, one of them's trying to sneakily follow, but he's so close behind. Uh, It's just funny to think about. Anyway, they go to the asylum, and Caligari's the director of the asylum. And then they're like, let's look at his books on his table mm. the book the book the history book about where where we it, we we read the entire plot of the film told again <laughs> yeah <laughs> as if it had been happened th- in history at some point in history it's like there was a there was a man named Caligari and he went mad and he had a sleepwalker called Cesare in Italy and in the 18th century and he was terrorizing villages and then we find out, find his diary, mm. and then in the diary, it we have flashbacks. Whoa! And then we find out that he's been he 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 is you know as the director of the insane asylum, the insane asylum, uh, a, mm. an actual somnambulist got admitted, and then he was like, finally, I can recreate this <laughs> historical madman. All the crimes, I can do it. All the crimes. Uh, he got and he and he's like, oh my god, this is too perfect. And then he staggers outside and he goes mad. And then, and then all these messages start tormenting him through the streets. That was really cool. And all of this text starts appearing in the sky and on the walls and out of frame. And it's uh, the, the frame impressed. gets covered in "You must become Caligari." Yes. And then, mm. and then he does, and he becomes Caligari. And then that's when they confront him with all of this information, and he goes mad. And they put him, they put the director of an insane asylum into a straitjacket. I do like how whenever someone gets admitted to the asylum in this movie, it's just a bunch of orderlies running up and putting a straitjacket on them. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a good way to communicate to the audience. I mean, it communicated to me. I'm like, ah, yes, straitjacket. That mean he crazy. Again, visual simplicity. Yeah, no, it's a cool twist, I guess. It's kind of silly, but I like it. Mm. I think I think it was great. It was like, wow. Ah, it was good. He 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 actually decided to recreate this this historical example, and then and then the sto- and then the the bench story finishes. Yep, the framing device. The person who's telling it to is very, very shocked, and then and then we cut to the insane insane asylum. We see that. Hang on, I that that's. 
that's Cesare. I thought he died. And wait, hang on. Why is he? Why is he not asleep? Why is he merely walking around, yes. dazed with a rose? Uh, what is happening? going on? And then we see, and then we see the fiance, whose name is suddenly revealed to be Jane, and and we see her, and she's sitting, staring off into the distance, and our friend from the bench walks with his friend from the bench into this asylum. And then they, t- they starts looking around. It's like, what's going on? And then looks at his fiance. It's like, well, now can you, can you marry me? And she's like, I must follow the real truths of my heart or something cryptic like that. <laughs> and, and he's like, what is going on? I don't understand. And then the director comes out. But without all this theatrical makeup and glasses and, and wild hair. And he comes out and he's like, hang on. No, it's you. It's you. You're you did this. You're Dr. Caligari. You're what is this? What's going on? And then he goes he he just freaks out and they put a straitjacket on him and send him to his room. They put him in a straitjacket. Oh my god. And the director's like, "I see. You think I'm Dr. Caligari. Now I know the truth of your delusion. Maybe now I can cure you." Ba ba ba. As if to signify that maybe he is. What? What is this twist? What a twist. Twists upon twists upon twists. Yeah. That's right. I mean, it kind of explains why all the visuals were so weird and unrealistic if this was all inside of his mind. Mm. Mm. Because actually it was all imagined in his brain. Maybe. Mm. We don't know. Or was it? What a twist. What do you think happened, Zach? What's your interpretation of this twist? Uh, that everyone in the film's crazy. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's probably correct. I mean, I mean, obviously, going by the very ending, you could say it's all in that one character's head because all the other characters in the Asane Asylum are the characters of the story, so he's yeah. just made up a story mm. about these characters in his head and then of course blames the director and so the director's like ah so this is your delusion now i know how to cure it sort of thing but also or is it or is it that's the real question i'm gonna go with the boring interpretation what is your interpretation benjamin my interpretation is that it was all a ruse what's your interpretation ben what oh (laughs) i think that the mystery is the po- is is the the thrilling thing where you don't know, and you can never know, <gasps> and I think that's what's thrilling about it. Oh, I sure hope they don't over-explain the ending in a sequel or something. <laughs> you think explaining it would ruin the whole point of the film, and trying to find the answer is not the point. Yeah, that's right. You you hear that, everyone who's overanalyzing Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. don't overanalyze Twin Peaks. That's just a dead end. Just enjoy it, honestly. Yeah, yeah. that's the plot of Dr. Caligari. It's an interesting plot because it's like you can see the seeds for so many classic stories in there and uh, various directors and what they end up doing and various genres mm. and like the direction that they go in. It's really interesting going back and having a look at film history. But it's also... As its own story, it's very engaging and very fun. And a lot of really great characters. Yeah. Yeah. I, was, I wasn't I was sure how it would hold up after watching it as an impressionable young 
film fan because you know watching it then I was like oh my god this is incredible but watching it now it's still incredible because it's so singular and you know visually striking and and expressive and I mean that's why they called it <laughs> expressionism but whoa and I think that like the 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 acting in it is so engaging and the story is so thrilling to follow I think again it's it's so difficult sometimes to suspend your disbelief when when things appear ridiculous or appear heightened but i think when something draws you in so much that you have no choice i think that's that's what has made this truly great hey it's paige desorbo from giggly squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to quince i'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with quince being 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Gollum has an unhealthy obsession about some bit of jewelry. Doesn't even know this is what the precious is. Stupid therapist. Cookie Monster's a bit of a stress eater. Cookie, cookie, cookie! And homicidal robots really just want their best friend back. I know I did and said things that she regrets, but why is that my problem? What all these monsters really need is therapy. The podcast Therapy for Monsters finally puts monsters in a therapy chair with a real therapist. Me, Tim, your friendly neighborhood therapist. If you'd like to learn a bit and laugh a bit, check out Therapy for Monsters on your favorite podcast app. That's Not Kind of Productions podcast. Um, There's various follow-ups as well. I'm going to talk about them, but have you seen any of the other versions of this movie? Uh, No, so there's, I think there's two fairly... Uh, I'm not going to say well-known, but like the the two main established kind of versions slash follow-ups to this are a semi-pornographic yes. uh, film yes. from 1989 called Dr. Caligari. Yeah, that that's from the late 80s. It's like a quasi-sequel, so it's not really a sequel. Yeah. I think it's the granddaughter of the original Dr. Caligari is doing, like, weird sexy experiments or something. Yeah, she has a sex asylum. I think. Oh, what of those? Apparently, yeah, apparently it was sometimes called Dr. Caligari 3000. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes. It is, you know, I would say it's 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 a cult film of cult films. Like, it's, you know. Oh, my God. She does her experiments at the CIA, the Caligari Insane Asylum. <laughs> ah, there you go. <laughs> That's pretty good. I've been I've been told about this film before. I've been recommended it. I honestly I would watch it. It might be good. I don't know. And then there's, there's another experimental sort of remake where the I guess the remake is kind of part of the experiment where they got some of the stills from this film and then green screened them into a, a new footage. Yeah, that's from 2005. I think yeah. Doug Jones plays the sleepwalker. Doug Jones is the somnambulist. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was all filmed on a green screen. Um, I don't know if that's available anywhere because it's like a independent thing. Oh, it, it, it is on DVD, but yeah, people don't really like that one. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. 
but it is a thing. There's two others. There's two others. There's um the Cabinet of Caligari, which uh, is written by Robert Bloch, uh, who wrote Psycho, uh, the book Psycho that was then turned into the movie Psycho. But I think it's just the title. They use the title to as a sort of signifier, much like this other film, The Cabinet of Dr. Ramirez. Yes. Which I think, you know, springboard. With Joan Cusack never released outside of uh, Sundance, um, but it is a silent film. I probably wouldn't watch it, but there's a bunch of other versions and stuff and things, but this is what we're doing. Uh, Last year we did uh, crossovers with other famous movies. We've also done... Mm. Uh, uh, sequels, but uh, one thing that we've never touched on is the idea of a complete remake. So, because we're doing movies that are quite old, we're going to be remaking them. I think that's a terrible attitude to have, Sandro. What do you mean? I think that these films shouldn't be touched. I think that you're you're forcing the idea of of remake culture onto a... a, uh, Anyway. Mm, Zach, your follow-up argument? (laughs) Uh, My follow-up argument is I agree with Ben, but... Oh, no! um, Yeah, because I fucking I'm, hate. I'm remakes. doing a I'm doing a joke a joke argument based on my real opinion. Yeah, I yeah, would hate but... for any of these films that we're going to come up with this year to be made. Yeah, yeah, no, great. Um, I hate the idea of remakes, but but uh, money though. Yeah, so... money. <laughs> yeah, let's make some money. Let's make a remake. Let's do lots of money yeah. because we're greedy Hollywood executives, and all we want is money. We don't care about art. So we're going to come up with, like, the director, um, who we would recast, uh, any plot changes we might make, all that good stuff. Zach, because you picked this, uh, what's your first thoughts? How would you approach a remake of this? Off podcast, you mentioned it, but Danny DeVito as Dr. Caligari is, <laughs> uh, is a match made in heaven. Sure. <laughs> that's Letterboxd's casting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a match made in heaven. I can't unsee it now. I, I, I want it in my life. <laughs> That's the only reason I want this to be remade, <laughs> so I can see Danny DeVito as Dr. Caligari. That'd be pretty good. Um, or kind of come in full circle with him in, like, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest as, like, his first big film role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, set in a mental asylum. That that would be pretty great. I'd love to see that. I don't know much else. My other thoughts... Like who who would who would be good playing the the zombieist? Uh, uh, Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> that was my first thought. Was Timothy Chalamet? Yeah. <laughs> no. Do you know what? I think I think I'm just looking out for Timothy Chalamet's health. I think he needs a break. Mm. I think he needs to go on a long break. He's been he's been working so hard the last five years, six years, seven years that I think he just needs a break. Well, who else would you cast as him then? Ah, uh, you know what. Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> you know what? Yes. He, he would Yeah, he would love to do something like this. Ben Stiller. Ooh. Bye. From the 90s. Well, yeah, are we Oh, okay. If from we're the doing 90s, this yep. like we're making them now, right? It's like now. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, we got to do it now. I don't know about Francis. We kind of need like an everyday kind of middle-aged man as Francis, I think. He's not like he's like young to middle-aged. I think he's I think he's, like, in his 30s or something. Um, I don't know. Maybe he just looks a bit older. Yeah, no, I think it, it, that that's just a people back then looked older feel. I think he's meant to be quite young. So, okay. Uh, yeah. Tom, Tom Holland? Uh, that's too young, though, isn't it? I know, I know, I know. But uh, I'm kind of shrugging here. I'm like, I don't know. He's popular at the moment. I mean, we could go Robert Patterson. No, he's the somnambulist. 
I think Daniel Radcliffe is the guy that dies at the start. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe is oh, Alex. Oh, that would be pretty good. All right, yeah. yeah that's, that'd be pretty good. I like that. No, you know, Matt Smith is the guy that <laughs> dies at the start. Yeah. Because he kind of looks like Matt Smith. Uh, but it's still not answering the question of who plays Francis. David Tennant. Chris Pratt. No. Chris Pratt in literally no. everything. Let's go. No. Let's put him in something else. No, I. do you know what? I challenge you to not have Chris Pratt in a single film this year. <laughs> oh, damn it. I'm, to- I'm not talking to you, Sandra and Zach. I'm talking to Hollywood. <laughs> ah, boom. What about Andy Samberg? Oh, yeah. No, that would be good. I'd like that. That'd be fun. Andy Samberg in a dramatic role. Sure. Who are we casting as Jane? Um, I think Aubrey Plaza. Aubrey Plaza as Jade, I think, is a good pick. Although these are, like, now all comedic actors. Danny DeVito, Andy Samberg, mm, Matt true. Smith. The old, the old comedy. Hey, no one said this could be a comedy version. Sure. That's true. That's true. But it's like it's a comedy version that gradually turns dark. Yeah. Oh, that'd be sweet. I'd love that. Yeah. It starts off because they could. we could have that that theatrical feel to it as well, where they're, they're you know, they're, they're being a bit extra- in their emotions and feelings and things. And then, yeah, it all starts to turn all twisted when people actually start dying and gets a bit messed up. The idea of Aubrey Plaza reminded me of the TV show Legion. And then for for Francis, I was like, well, what about Dan Stevens then? Mm. I did. Th- I, do you know what? I was thinking of Dan Stevens for The Somnambulist. Well, he does have that emo, tall, lanky sort of look to him. Maybe that mm. would work. I mean, he's not as big of a get as Radcliffe. Mm. Yeah, but I, do, I don't see Daniel Radcliffe as this somnambulist character. I don't see... I think if he could be Francis. Radcliffe is Francis instead of Sandberg. I think that works quite well. So, so Daniel Radcliffe is Francis and Dan Stevens. I think Dan Stevens needs more work. I, I, I have a lot of time for Dan Stevens. Mm. Um, My first thought for director initially was Robert Eggers, but that no. could just be because he's remaking <laughs> Nosferatu. I think, do you know what? I think he needs a break. <laughs> I don't like it. I disagree strongly, but... What about James Cameron? He's no. not busy with anything at the moment. Come on. Come on. What about Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead? Yeah. Yeah. Are they writing or are they just directing? Because their writing style is not going to suit this. No, they're just directing. Is this a silent movie, though? Yeah. Why not? One of the scenes in the film I want to expand on is the the sleepwalker, the somnambulist ability to predict the future. I, I want them to ask a few more questions before they ask the how long will I live mm. sort of thing, you know? So, so you want to stay a little bit longer with this, with the, with the clairvoyancy? Yes. Which I, I think, you know, we could, we could stay there for, for a while. Yeah, a few of the actors asked a few different questions. I want to know what this, this thing, because they, they only ask the one question and then leave, and I just wanted to know, oh, what else can it predict? Does it only predict the future when it can fulfill the future that it's predicting? Ah, interesting. Yes. You know, because, because. That's the only question we see in the film is that he will die by the morning mm. and then the Subulus goes and kills him. So obviously the Subulus is going to be right if it fills out its own prophecy. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So I just wanted to explore that a little bit. I think that works well. I think I would like um, uh, some more of the flashback too, the, the, 
the flashbacks a bit longer mm. where we see Caligari turning. Maybe even, maybe this version of Caligari sees the movie, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. <laughs> and it's yes. like, I'm going to recreate that. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Instead of a historical book. Yeah. We could say it's a historical movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I would, I would include more of, of Jane. Yeah. Um, mm, I think that's that idea. there's more that she could do. She could be part of solving the mystery as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 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 kind of add more uncertainty in that regard, but you know, yeah, I, I'd like to see some things as to why the characters, you know, like each other. Because mm. at the start, you see these two friends, and they go, "Hey, we both like this girl, and uh, uh, we should make a pact. You know, she can choose either one of us, but we'll still stay friends afterwards." That sort of thing, um, and not much comes of that for the rest of it. I, I'd like to see, you know. Why they both like her? What what does she do? Maybe maybe she can also be. Maybe she's the only one who, who's. The, this is a terrible trope that I'm dipping into, but maybe she's the only one who's nice to the the somnambulist. Oh yeah 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 yeah. A bit more. That, that's a that's a trope. A bit more of a reason um, for him not to kill her. That's a good one. Yeah yeah. I think that works. Rather that than just, she looks pretty when she sleeps. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think that okay. one might not have aged quite as well. Hey, look, he's, he's, but he, but the, here's the thing. He's also asleep. Mm. Mm. He could relate. Oh, uh, the red herring guy as well. We could have a, a bit more there. A bit more of the murders. Yeah. I mean, do, do you know what, like, I, for, for all of this, like, oh, we could expand on this, we could expand on this, I think that one of the good things about this film is that we don't need to know in great detail, you know, it has so much going on that that almost creates the suspense itself. We don't need suspense in each one of the narrative plot points because we have the, suspe- the suspense in the story as a whole. Absolutely, like, yeah, this is just if we had to remake it rather than should we remake it which is obviously no <laughs> you're right you're right but 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 that's also saying that if you had to remake it you would expand on everything which i don't necessarily think you have to do well a shot by shot remake is kind of boring though isn't it a shot by shot remake would be dumb and we should make that obviously <laughs> but uh then just watch the other film no we would have to do something different with it and here we go. We've got Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson of Moon Knight fame. Oi! Uh, and other things that are really good. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Like The Endless, fucking incredible movie. Uncanny horror film directors Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead yes. of Resolution, Spring, and The Endless, and Synchronic, and Something in the Dirt fame, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, that I think is the episode right there. Wham, bam. Thank you, sis. I'm bringing it back. Stop with that. No, no, not this year. None of that. Uh, Ben, thank you so much for coming on. uh, First episode of the year. Do you have stuff to plug? Uh, well, um, potentially by the time this episode comes out, I'll have finished editing my, uh, my pilot. If not, keep an eye out for my pilot. Um, it's called the illustrious fact show. Oh, you're flying a plane called the Illustrious Flex Show plane? Is that what this is? Yes, that's that's right. It's the pi- pi- pilot. Yep. Mm. I created <laughs> a, I created someone who flies planes. Oh, congratulations. I found a somnambulist and then I I uh oh. um, programmed their mind to to be intricately aware of uh aeroplane engineering 
and controls, uh, despite having no prior knowledge of of the act. Um, so uh, look out for that on YouTube um, coming soon. Very cool. To a screen near you. Excellent. Links in the description to your websites and socials and all those things. Keep in touch. Yes, indeedy. Deedy. Hey, we're on all the stuff too. At Oldie Buddy Goodie Pod on like everything. And there's Patreon. I think our review of Avatar 2 is out on Wednesday. So check that out. And uh, a, a bunch of other stuff. Oh, it shows all the time. Uh, now, I've got to leave. I've got to go to the next year. I've got to go to 19... 19- 21 and i think i've got to pick a movie from that year yeah i can see the portal over there it's it's opening up well there's a lot of different films that came out in 1921 isn't there benjamin and zachary there sure are a lot of different films that came out in 1921 how did you by the way come up with with choosing this one from the year 1920 because there was there was several others you could have chosen which which ones would you would you have looked at from 1920 Ben? Well, from the, from the year 1920, I think, I mean, Caligari is, it's a, it's a standout of the year. Um, mm. the, there's, there were a lot of short films that were coming out this year, so I, I know that you're not talking about short films, but there were some great Buster Keaton, Harold Lloyd short films. But if you hadn't have done this film, uh, you could have done, uh, there were two Oscar Micheaux films, uh, Within Our Gates, and uh, the one that I prefer, which is less known symbol of the unconquered there's a swedish film from the director of next year's uh by by when i say next year i mean 1921 because we're in 1920 yes um uh, of next year's the phantom carriage the monastery at sendomir you could have also done the golem oh yeah there's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. There's a Todd Brown. There's a couple of Todd Browning films. Um, I know specifically for monster films, we're not trying to pick a lot of them because there'll be a lot during the movies we'll pick and we definitely want to yeah. do some specific ones. So that's that's a reason we haven't picked a lot of monster films early on. I mean, yeah, fair, fair enough. Um, but I think overall, I think um, Dr. Caligari is is pretty much the obvious choice yeah in terms of 1921 yeah what 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 were you considering for 1921 and what did you ultimately pick well you mentioned the phantom carriage which is another horror yeah that i think i would enjoy uh checking out swedish this time around great film i would i that that would probably be maybe my pick but i don't i don't know what else have you got there's heaps of stuff. There's heaps of stuff. There's like Three Musketeers. I uh, love that story. Uh-huh. Really enjoy that. I know that Mark of Zorro was an option uh, for 1920. So mm. 21, uh, Three Musketeers, quite similar. I'm intrigued by like Lost Atlantis, but it's three hours long. Uh-huh. <laughs> but I'm also seeing, I'm also seeing a little something over here, a little something called The Kid. Oh, yes. Ooh. Yep. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Which is Charlie Chaplin and a kid, and I, I'm pretty sure I've seen this one before, and I think it's pretty good. Uh-huh. And you know what? You know we're doing the twenties. Uh, who's one of the best filmmakers from the twenties? Why it's Charlie Chaplin. Sure. So I think I'm gonna go for that. Uh, we started off on a high note with Caligari. Let's continue with a high note with uh, some Charlie Chaplin. That's my pick. Charlie Chaplin, the kid. I, I don't know who this this charlie chap is but he sounds pretty good why don't we do that i've never never heard of charlie chaplin before great yep wow (laughs) 
just 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 playing into that stereotype that you've built over three years or four years of your of who you are zach complete ignorance yeah 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 absolutely I've never seen a film before, actually. Whoa! <laughs> this is the first time I've actually seen a film. Every time you just forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I wish you luck with uh, Charlie Chaplin and the Kid, because ni- 1921. Yeah, there's some great stuff. There's some good stuff. stuff. Oh, there's an Italian sci-fi film called The Mechanical Man. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I was looking. I was looking at The Mechanical Man. <laughs> the Mechanical Man. Oh, it's. I, I think it's missing actually uh, on closer inspection. Ah, lost film. Yeah, this is the problem with a lot of these. You know, a lot of the films from this year, a lot of stuff is missing. I, I, I will mention The Adventures of Tarzan. We'll be seeing a lot of that in the future, I know. Oh, there's so many Tarzan movies. Why are there so <laughs> many Tarzan movies? There's, oh, there's some good Buster Keaton stuff too, The Haunted House. I think I've seen that one. Yeah, that's a good one. The Goat is an amazing one. Um, the High Sign is quite funny. Mm. The Boat, Buster Keaton, The Boat, The Boat and the Goat. The boat and the guy. Oh, yeah, I've definitely seen the boat before. That's a good one. Oh, Hamlet. There's so many to pick from. But yes, I will go for Charlie Chaplin, the kid. I'm going to get some Charlie Chaplin in. Nice and early. Oh, my. It's a portal. Yes. It's just over there down the street. Is that where I go to enter 1921, Zach? Uh, no, there's one to the left of it. That's the one. Don't go in that one you're looking at. It's the other one. Oh, where does that one lead to? Uh, that one, that one's for Ben, so he could go back to the future. Oh, I see. Yeah. Thank you. I was, I was really, I, I didn't want to be stuck in 1920 for my whole life because there's some bad things coming up. <laughs> yeah. Well, who knows where your adventures will take you. Ah, certainly. Sure uh, until then. Fare well, Ben. Farewell, Benjamin. Leave the body of this young orphan boy and be free. Bye. Oh my gosh, what happened there? I well, I felt out of sorts for a good two hours there. What's going on? Does anybody have any money for bread? Hey, I never did get your name, young kid. What's your name? My my name, oh, my parents never gave me a name because I don't know who they are because I'm an orphan. That is a fair point. So people just call me, hey you, <laughs> uh, hey boy. Because you're on your own, young kid, instead of calling you Hey You, I'm going to give you an actual name. Your name will be Hey Solo. Hey, hey, so, so, I don't know what those words mean because I never had no proper education and things. Uh, I feel bad. I should give the kid something. Um, here, have some candy. Wow. Here's here's an iPhone. Wow. (laughs) This will severely damage my brain sockets. (laughs) And my sugar levels. Thank you for these gifts. I am forever in your debt. Here, I'll follow you around in through the portal. Oh, no, no. In every episode. Oh, no. No, quick run. Oh.